It's OLWJ Captivation, unlimited enthusiasm toward the future. The podcast introducing you to boundless superstars and other professional individuals who are capable of providing you information on achieving maximum success. Segments and episodes of the podcast will be devoted to financial wellness, for everyone deserves a shot at broadening their financial horizon. I am the host, Otis Lewis Wilson Jr. Welcome. Thank you for making the decision to tune in to another episode of OLWJ Captivation. It is because of you, the audience, and my special guest, that all of this is possible. And I express my sincerest gratitude. Let's begin this episode of the podcast by defining the word influence. The power to affect, control, or manipulate something or someone. The ability to change the development of fluctuating things such as conduct, thoughts, or decisions. Impact. How about that one? A significant or strong influence. My guest on this episode of the podcast, Derek Pifko, is here to share his awareness, positivity, and wisdom, and to tell his story of how someone who has had the most negative experiences can have and make the positive difference in someone's life. That is what happened to him. Without further ado, here is a recorded interview with Derek Pifko right here on OLWJ Captivation. Derek, thank you so much for joining me on OLWJ Captivation. Let's get things started by you telling the audience a little bit about yourself. Otis, we're making history today. You are actually the first Otis I've ever talked to in my 35 years of life. So I'm doing something new today by talking to someone named Otis. <laughs> However, that is not the introduction that you were looking for. My name is Derek Pifko. I currently live in Spartan, New Jersey. I have an associate's degree in journalism, a bachelor's degree in communications, and in about 85 days, not that I'm keeping track, I'm going to be proud to say I have a, another bachelor's degree in cybersecurity. Education has always been great to me. I am... I'm very proud of the opportunities in life that has been been profound given to me as well. And Otis, uh, you and I are going to be having a great conversation today. I've been looking forward to this all day. Well, I am looking forward to it as well, Derek. And I'll tell you this. When I read your story, I said this is going to be interesting. As my audience knows, I like to talk to guests who have a story to tell, a unique story to tell in regards to overcoming obstacles to achieve awesome success or maximum success, as I like to describe it. And I want to first get into your story in regards to your job. So you started out as a correction officer. How did that first come about? Correction officer, that was back in 2015. We are getting uh, into the ancient years as we are now in 2022. However, 2015 
wasn't too long ago, but that took a little bit prior to that. I was initially at University of Arizona studying journalism. At that time, I have, was starting to feel that term definition called burnout. I believe everyone knows what the definition of what burnout is. However, there was actually a case involving when I was in Arizona where I put my hands in the air and said, hey, this isn't for me. I remember the day very well. It's one of those few days you can just it's one of those days where you can just remember everything that happened on that day. Otis, I'm sure you've had days like that as well, if I'm not mistaken. Am I correct? Yes, sir. Okay. So here's the scene. It was uh, June second, two thousand eight. I was an intern for Fox eleven news out in Tucson. That day was it it was one of those days where not a cloud in the sky, picture baby blue all day. It was, you know, Tucson is kind of decent weather out there. In the morning, it's about 90 degrees. By mid-afternoon, you're talking about 110. Then at night, dies down until about, I don't know, 85 degrees. However, that day was a day that is going to live with me forever. It's uh, changed my perspective. As I said before, I have a degree in journalism and communications. I'm also going to be finishing up with cybersecurity. With that comes ethics classes as well. I have completed six ethics classes throughout my uh, college degree. And this was pretty much the catapult to saying, hey, stuff is applying from the classroom and into into a personal life as well. So what happened was there was an officer. uh, He was actually, unfortunately, he was uh, killed that that afternoon. His name was Eric Height. There is now a nonprofit organization based out in Tucson, Arizona, called the Eric Height Foundation. If anyone's interested, you can go on Google, type in Eric Height, and you'll be able to find out more information about him. However, what happened with him on that day was there was a mentally ill patient out in Tucson. They were doing a what is called a wellness check. And this guy went after him. The guy wanted to do a term what is called suicide by cop. He wanted to shoot the police and they wanted to go after him. Unfortunately, the uh, individual ended up killing Eric Height. However, um, where they live out in Tucson, there is a newspaper called the Arizona Daily Star. It's pretty much equivalent to like the biggest newspaper in Tucson, Arizona. And... Uh, what happened with them is the uh, Tucson police actually called Arizona Daily Star to let them know what was going on, and the Tucson uh, Arizona Daily Star make that. They followed the uh, the scene, what was going on. Eric Height was killed that afternoon, and what happened was the Tucson or Arizona Daily Star took a picture of Eric Height being treated by the police officers. I can remember that picture as if it's in the back of my head like it was yesterday, as I said before. It's one of those memories you're not going to forget. So in the picture, he was being treated. He was on the ground. There was a female EMT treating him, and on the right side there was a male gentleman getting ready to put him into the uh, stretcher. Arizona Daily Star took that picture, and they put that on their front page of the Arizona Daily Star the very next day. I believe that was uh, Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. And the thing about journalism that scares me is, and basically communications as well, is you never know who your audience is. So with that, there was about six months later, there was a punk rock band. I... It's in my best interest to not talk about them because you know, just a group of people I like to forget. But they they I took understand. that picture and they used that photo of Eric Hyde being killed as their, what, is, what do they want to call it, album cover. It says, be a hero, kill a cop. They used a picture and they violated copyright because Arizona Daily Star used that picture. And I was blown away because I was scared saying, hey, I don't know who's reading these pic- who's reading the story and who's taking these pictures, but... There's a thing called journalism ethics, and that scared me that day. I said, hey, I don't know who my audience could be, and someone could be influenced by that. So I dropped journalism, and I actually wanted to get into law enforcement right after that. I said, hey, 
I can't write the story, but I can be the story if needed. So going back into uh, the year 2015, I was initially hired by the Sussex County Sheriff's Office, and it was a something I was very interested in doing. Prior to that, I did internships with Sparta Police. I uh, actually have another ethics story involving that later on if you're interested as well. That's actually a really good story now think about it. But um, ended up uh, doing something. I wanted to use all my college cra- classes, and, well, I would say within probably a few months, I was like, hey, <laughs> this really isn't the right fit for me. However, I wanted to get my experience in. I wanted to learn about it say, hey, it might have been just a bad month. And at the, end, at the end of the day, I was like, hey, this still isn't for me. However, was it a failed opportunity? No, I learned so much about it. I'm very grateful for the opportunities, and there's so much I can share about that as well. In journalism, and all of these circumstances took place, as a result, you made a transition to being a corrections officer. Mm-hmm. At this point in time, as a correction officer, what happened? What happened? An inmate actually was my my influence to actually get into cybersecurity. It's kind of a very interesting story because not everyone could say that they were influenced by an inmate of all people to change their life around and end up getting a uh, degree in cybersecurity. And the thing was, that was never a part of the communication process as well. I live in a small county here in New Jersey. It's in the northwest portion of New Jersey. It's basically as close as you can get without falling into uh, Pennsylvania or New York. It's called Sussex County. If you type in uh, Sussex County on Google, the answer you're going to come up is why. Why? Because nothing really happens up here in my area. But um, back in 2014, 2015, actually, that's incorrect, 2012, uh, there was an inmate named Clark Federicks. And he is now one of my close friends. I talk to him on a regular basis. I'm very proud to call him a friend. But uh, what happened with him was, do you know the uh, Jerry Sandusky Penn State trial that happened? Actually, I don't know about that. Uh, Penn State, uh, do you know do you know much about uh, college football or anything like that? Yes, yes, uh, sir, I do. I know about some all football. All right, so yes. unfortunately this isn't about college football. This is about a horrible <laughs> man named Jerry Sandusky. He was horrible to children taking pictures and doing other inappropriate things with them. Uh, during the Sandusky trial, uh, the guy was actually sentenced around that time as well. And Clark had memories of what happened to him as a kid. His uh, former neighbor, a Boy Scout leader, he's also the guy was actually a lieutenant at our jail long before I was ever thinking about being getting hired over there as well. But uh, what happened was uh, once uh, Sandusky was sentenced, Clark started having repressed memories in his head saying, hey, all this happened to me, and Clark ended up uh, killing his uh, Boy Scout leader, and Clark was facing a 40-to-life year sentence, and throughout time, the testimonies, uh, the attorneys, he had a fabulous attorney as well, now I think about it, but um, Clark ended up pleading uh, to manslaughter, and he got a five-year prison sentence compared to possibly life in prison, so that's a motivation right there, and Clark was a model inmate. He was always talking to other inmates, counseling them. We have this thing called a revolving door process in corrections where you see the same people coming in and coming out. Clark didn't like that. Some of these people were coming in. They were so young, and their future was just beyond beyond definition. So uh, once uh, Clark got out, he said, I had a good conversation with him actually one day. He came up to me. He's like, hey, Pifko. Clark's one of those people who can actually pronounce my last name correctly. He's one of the very few, so I'm very fond of him based on that alone. But um, he came up to me one day. He's like, hey, Bifko, what are you doing here with these clowns? He's saying, you're too good of a person. You're too nice. You shouldn't be in this setting. Something's going to happen. And 
he kind of read, read me pretty well. I was very scared about that because he was absolutely right when he was saying that because that's when I was questioning myself. And I ended up uh, mm-hmm. resigning from my position, I think, in March of 2016. So I was I didn't stay in the corrections very long, but I was very fortunate uh, when because uh, I kept in contact with Clark. He got released, I think, at the end of 2016. Everything that Clark says he wanted to do, he's done. He's wanted to be a uh, victim's rights advocate. He's done that. He's a motivational speaker. He's in the process of finalizing his book, which should be hopefully coming out real soon, hopefully either this year or next year. But um, it was very interesting talking to him when I was there because I, I never treated him as an inmate. I treated him as an individual, and that's how my process was. I didn't treat any of the people in the jail as if they were different. They're, everyone, is, everyone has a different story to tell. And with uh, when uh, Clark ended up speaking at his high school back in February 2020, yeah, that's right, 2020, and he said something that captivated my mind. As I said before, we have this method called an art of communication where one person says something and they might inter- and someone else might interpret it a different way. When Clark spoke about how uh, this individual was uh, killed that night, he said how the very next day the state police went to this individual's house and uncovered so many awful images of children. And the way that Clark said that uh, changed my mind. I was like, hey... Clark is talking about uh, what is called uh, digital forensics. I'm actually in, taking digital forensics this semester as right as I'm speaking to you right now. But um, he was saying how the state police was able to break into this guy's computer and uncover all this evidence that actually ended up uh, saving Clark very well because Clark was innocent the entire way. And the way he said that I was like, hey, I can do so much better in my life. And I thought about it. I sent him a message the very next day, and I was like, hey, uh, Clark, um, your story, uh, I, I know it very well. We had a very good relationship, talking about his experience. He's speaking in other engagements that I've been to as well. But the way he said it, it's like, wow, this really changed my mind. And the very next day, I ended up applying to cyber, to uh, return to school to study cybersecurity. And said before, I'm very close to being done. I think I'm 85 days. I used to have a countdown, but thing about countdowns is <laughs> it's a waste of time because you have so much other things to worry about. You shouldn't be worrying about 85 days or whatever day it is for when I graduate college because there's so much other responsibilities to go on with life. But without Clark, there would, I would have never returned to college. And I'm very grateful for him because he's opening a lot of doors that I never thought were even possible. I can definitely understand how you don't want to count down the time for when you're going to be finished, but how important it is to finish In reference to change, let's go back to that for example. When you were going through the phases of listening to Clark and having to make the adjustments, over the time frame, or how long of a time frame was it for you to make those changes and make the decisions that you did to do better? Because we all have those periods in life where, you know, we listen to someone they influence us, uh, they impact what we believe, and then we fall back into that slump again. We get up, we fall into that slump again. So for you, what was that time frame that you you know, you had to make those changes? Talk to me about it. I mean, tell us tell us, you know, how you felt during that time. What what did you go through? So um I will never say anything bad about where I worked. I had a great opportunity working for them. I would do it again in a heartbeat if the opportunity were to occur. However, I'm getting older at the same time, and I actually now think about it, I would have I have zero interest in going back to them. 
but I really enjoyed my opportunity speaking with them, working with them. I met some great people, some of them I still keep in contact with. But um, I knew that I wasn't the right fit. And one thing about me is I don't like wasting my time, and I don't like wasting other people's time as well. And I knew very quickly that, hey, you know, people dream for this job. It could be dream jobs for others, and I knew that it wasn't mine. Uh, the morale at our place was not great, and I didn't want to be – I didn't want to change. I saw little minor changes in me throughout time. I saw a lot of people being bullied. I saw, I'm not going to talk about that actually, but. Um, but I, I can see where the things that you saw would definitely have an impact on you wanting to get out of there. Let's just yeah. put it as simple as that, you know, that having like, oh my gosh, I, I definitely need to, to see something or to have something different happen in my life based on what Clark was saying. In, in your mind, did you find that cybersecurity would be, or I, you know, I, I'll ask you, what was it that turned you to be, uh, or for cybersecurity to be that niche for you? No, absolutely. What put you in that okay. direction? Um, I'm actually going to tell you a story that I, I, I've not even told anyone before. So you're actually going to be, one, I think you're the only person who's uh, told this story before outside of the audience who is uh, listening to this right now. Going back to uh, corrections, I initially was saying the uh, subject about bullying, and uh, there was change in me that I didn't like. And uh, there's actually a good story involving it, and um, I've never talked about it before until today. Um, when I worked at the jail, we had uh, we have these uh, what a term what is called a night porter. These are people who uh, clean the jail at night, and in return they're able to receive like a credit to reduce their sentence. And I said before that I saw a little change in me, and uh, sometimes change is good and sometimes change is bad. And uh, what I thought about this just now was something I haven't thought about in a long, long time. Um, we had uh, two inmates in our elevator, and I was in there as well. I was overseeing, kind of like shadowing, make sure they're doing their job. And any uh, any of the inmate, or actually any of the officers that are listening to this podcast, they kind of th- I think they know what they're where I'm going at with this. Is uh, we had these elevators that never worked; they always broke down. And uh, one night, uh, I had uh, two inmates in there, and the elevator got jammed. We got stuck in the elevator for about 20 minutes. And I found out that uh, one of the inmates was actually uh, claustrophobic. So uh, him being in the elevator, I'm sure, I think everyone has a fear of being stuck in an elevator. I don't know know if you have that fear, Otis, at all. Yes, (laughs) sir. Yes, sir. um, Actually, I'm laughing about it right now. It's actually an awful thing to laugh about. But um, one of the inmates was uh, claustrophobic, very scared about it. And the other inmate and I were kind of like joking around about it. I'm like, oh, wow, this is really bad. And uh, we started jumping up and down. And this guy was terrified. And it's like, wow, this is probably one of the dumbest things I've ever done. But um, I saw this look in his eye and said, hey, you got to stop. And he didn't say that. And I, I felt so bad afterwards. I think about it to this day. But um, here's the interesting story about this. So uh, six months later, um, I actually ended up having a dream about this inmate. I was long gone from the jail. But uh, the dream was I was returning back to my job as the uh, correction officer he was a night porter and i asked him what he was doing why he was there and he says uh google me google so um i ended up waking up that that morning and i just felt something was wrong about that james like what did he say about google for so um i actually ended up uh, typing up his name and uh i found out that uh he had uh, deceased about two weeks ago uh, from that from that dream so um i kind of felt like that was like a message saying hey uh, you need to change. You need to move on with your life as well. And um, I, I never apologized to that guy. That's one of my uh, biggest regrets, not apologizing to this guy. But um, Goal said, yeah. when you talk about what you went through with Clark, 
the, I guess, impact that he had in terms of the decisions that you made and going back to school, what would you tell anyone about setting their goals or setting goals? When you talk about setting goals, and you're also going to learn what a term called, there's actually going to be two terms I'm going to throw out there, and they're very they're similar and they can contradict as well. Um, we have this term called risk management, and we also have this term that is called risk analysis. Uh, there's a good way to interpret that. Risk management would be like, say, for example, you point up the sky and they said, hey, there is an asteroid coming right now. And then risk analysis would be, okay, this uh, asteroid is coming is coming about 15,000 miles. And at what time do you think this, when do you think it's going to hit Earth? So uh, from this is when you, when you break that down from a, uh, from a school setting is when you do risk management, you're going to talk about saying, all right, what transcripts do you have? What is your, what is, why do you want to be in school as well? I'm actually an ambassador at my uh, college right now where I meet one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, over the phone or Zoom, whatever, with incoming students. And I talk to these students, incoming tr students, non-traditional students. So when you talk about non-traditional students, you're talking about someone that's like, I think it's 26 or above years old. A lot of people are in the military or coming out of the military. And I say, hey, uh, I can't relate. I was never in the military, but why are you going into this program? What is your influence behind this? Because there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of challenges behind the school process, and I want to make sure you're the right fit. I don't want to waste your time. I'm very close to finishing, so I know what's on the agenda as well. And I'll talk about saying, hey, let's talk about uh, risk management here right now. What what are you giving up? This is going to be a two year process for you, depending on how many credits you have, depending on what gets approved out of your transcripts. I mean, some classes you might have to retake. Some of them you might have to uh, petition and say, hey, I've taken this class already. I'm challenging it. And it's a it's a difficult phase. And I say, hey, this is how long it's going to take for you. What questions do you have for me? And what can I do to help you move along? I'm not, I'm not receiving a commission. I'm not getting anything out of this for them. I'm just there to help. The definition of boundless. I always ask my guests the question because that's that's what I identify people who can overcome obstacles. What would be your definition of being boundless? What is your definition of being boundless? That's my question. That's actually a really good question. One of my uh, friends actually just said about talked about setting up uh, guardrails to prevent us from moving forward. I think that's uh, what you call what is uh, fear management. Uh, fear management is when you talk about being uh, so used to the daily basis and your your daily agenda. You're you're you wake up in the morning, same time, eat the same breakfast. You go to your job, you come home, and you, you do rinse and repeat every day, and that can become what is called boring, in my opinion. That's why I'm changing my life. I've I have a good job, and at the same time, I know I can do better with my life as well. I am taking a risk with myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can't promise you that I'm gonna have a, have a great job in cybersecurity, but at the same time, I'm taking a chance. And um, absolutely. But Derek, I want to wish you all the best in achieving your, uh, you know, your uh, degree and getting it done and um, making some great things happen in your career. Um, and of course, I am glad that someone like Clark was able to have an impact in your life. Although he made a mistake in his, that's okay, again, because we all make mistakes. But when someone like that can 
um, encourage others to do better. And I'm sure that he has probably done um, the same for others as mm -hmm. well. But if he can, you know, do that and um, turn people around, um, you know, that's that's awesome. But I wish you all the best. Any final words before we wrap oh, absolutely. up? Absolutely. Um, one of my uh, my junior college basketball coach, uh, Cornell Thomas, actually once said something that's uh, been imprinted in my mind for a long time. And we talk about setting goals, talking about uh, taking risks as well. Uh, my coach Cornell Thomas says this is pretty much putting our feet to action. So when we have a goal, we we want to make it into, into success as well. And I think about Cornell; he was very instrumental to me as well. And I think when he talks about putting our feet to action, I think this is everything that we discussed today as well. So, uh, Coach, if you're saying that, Absolutely. if you're listening to me right now, thank you for everything you said. I've listened. Fantastic. Well, hey, man, once again, I thank you very much, and uh, we shall be in touch. All righty, okay? Otis, thank you for your time. The value of inspiration with Derek Pifko has been a very enlightening conversation. Hopefully you have enjoyed it. To learn more about me, visit the website at www.olwjboundless.com. There you can subscribe to the podcast mailing list. You can follow me on Instagram at O underscore Wilson underscore Jr. Follow me on Twitter at OLWJ Boundless. And of course, I also encourage you to check out the financial wellness link so that I can come and do a financial wellness seminar at your workplace, school, or at your home. <laughs> you make the choice. How about that? Anyways, that would do it for this episode of the podcast. And I thank you so much for tuning in. Again, it's you, the audience, and my special guest that make it all possible. Any comments, feedback, or suggestions regarding this podcast is welcome. For a motivational speaker, Les Brown once said, It's okay to fail because if you land on your back, you can look up and then get up. Until next time, take care.